And one thing that I love about the body of Christ is discovering our gifts and our talents. And one thing I discovered quite a while ago is while I could flow in a pastoral anointing at times in and out, that's not my strong gift. And um, I, one thing that I love is discovering what is the strength or what's your, you know, like strong gift that flows through you. Well, with Randy, it's teaching. And if you ever hear him teach, he brings an excitement and a passion that I love to just listen uh, as he teaches. Um, <clears throat> so that's Randy and Julie down in Myrtle Beach, family, but also friends and I know they'll be a friend to you. How many of you know that uh, when we were singing, when you come like the rain, um, I felt just like the love of God come. And I wanted to just go around hugging people. <laughs> like, <clears throat> and I thought, well, that would be kind of strange. And of course, you know, some people probably don't know me or anything. But I thought, you know, I think there's a day coming where we're not going to be able to contain the love for each other. And, and I love that about the Lord, that he puts love in us for one another. And I've said many, many times, we can be in a meeting, just like today, and be so consumed with our lives that we really don't give a hoot about anybody else. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And I believe that the world is one day going to look in and say, I know they're Christians because of their love for one another. And so I just, I welcome the love of God among us today. And um, thank you, Lord, for pouring out your love. <clears throat> Well, we've fallen in love with Travis and Lindsay, and we got to spend some time with them. And I was very, like, I sat there thinking, you came in discouraged this morning, Travis. I hope it wasn't something that we said to you last night. <laughs> we spent some time with them. I thought, ooh, what did we say? <laughs> Just kidding. But I do want to share something. Uh, Chair and I are both going to share something. But I'm going to start out with um, saying Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support of us. It's been um, unexpected and not anything that um, I just thought would ever happen. Uh, but thank you. And I thought of this um, this morning when the Apostle Paul in Philippians said, um, and, and I've been praying this for you, he said, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And so I've been praying that the Lord would supply the need here. And then this morning when I awakened, the Lord spoke to me and said, the Apostle Paul did not pray it. He declared it. And that's what I felt. My God shall supply all your need. And so thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I, I don't know, you know, I remember when uh, my husband passed and a number of things began to happen. And it felt like, have you ever had what I would call a domino effect in your life? where, you know, you have this trauma hit, and then another trauma, and then another trauma, and another trauma, and it just kept going. And I said at one point, you know, God, do you really think this is a good idea to do it at this point in my life as a widow? Like, really, do you think that's a good idea? And then somebody said to me in a meeting, I was with some leaders at my church, and they said, well, you're really not a true biblical widow, and I, I came to the point where I said, I may not be a true biblical widow, but I am a widow. And so James said this, pure and undefiled religion. See, religion isn't bad. Sometimes we give it a bad rap. But pure and undefiled religion before God is this, to visit orphans and widows. And so y'all have visited me. Um, thank you. Thank you for the support that you've given to us and, and the love that we feel every time we come. And really, we have fallen in love with Travis and Lindsay, and I'm thankful Lindsay made some time for us last night. She's so busy. Um, but she's so beautiful. She's really beautiful. You're blessed, Travis. And she loves you. <laughs> I 
<laughs> well, um, I don't know where Lindsay is, but <laughs> she's a good woman. Um, so we were sitting with uh, Travis and Lindsay last night, and uh, when we left, Charity and I asked the Lord to give us a dream um, that would minister or speak into some things that I know that Travis is asking the Lord about some things. I don't know what they are. He didn't tell us, but we did ask the Lord to speak to us. And so we're going to just touch lightly on that. We both had a dream uh, last night. And one of the things that um, I know in interpreting dreams, number one, in every dream I've looked at and I've interpreted thousands for real, I'm not exaggerating, every dream that I've interpreted for people, there's always the wisdom of God in that dream. Even if you say it's a pizza dream, I don't care. God has wisdom to give to us. So I look for the wisdom of God. Another thing I'll often teach uh, when I teach dream interpretation is that many times dreams have more than one application. And so it may be that you're the dreamer and the dream is for you, but it can also be um, for, there can be different meanings or interpretations in that and the way we apply a dream. And so as we share just touching, we're not going to give the details of the dream, we're going to just touch on them. And as we share it, I believe that God is speaking to Travis, but there might be something that we say that you say, I could use that. And when you begin to feel in your spirit, like, I wish that were given to me, that's when you need to grab hold of it and thank God for it because the Holy Spirit will speak to more than one person in this room. Follow? Okay. All right. So, Charity, I'll let you start first. Well, first I'll say she had um, something happen as we sat last night with one time Uh, We were ministering in another nation down in Central America, and the moment that I stepped foot on the ground in that nation, I began having rectal bleeding. And after about four days, I had Charity call Bob to say, Mom needs to come home. Uh, Something was really wrong. I could hardly get out of bed. And so Bob got on the phone, and I thank God for my husband, And he said to to me, he called me Cat. He said, Cat, where are you? I said, where am I? You know where I'm at. (laughs) And he said, you know that there are many times you will feel in your body what's going on with people that you're around. And all of a sudden it was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that part. And so he said, you need to locate the person that has rectal bleeding and you also, and I also had found a lump, you need to locate who has breast cancer. And the moment that um, I was brought in and ministered to a number of leaders uh, and then another group, the moment that a man came forward and said, I have rectal bleeding, I have cancer in the rectum, the moment that I laid my hand on him, the bleeding in me stopped. And I never had it again. And God miraculously healed that man. And so last night, I'm just giving you kind of a backdrop. Last night, Charity had an impression as we sat together. And so we'll start with Cher. Okay. Um, Is this mine, Cher? That's mine, but that's you yours. can have some if I'll you want. Okay. Julie, you know where mine's at. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we're both battling a little allergy. So if you hear me coughing, I'm okay. So I'm just sipping on water here. But um, Travis, uh, last night I had this feeling, and and I'm going to tell you just in short, I was in another country, and um, I didn't know what I was doing there. It was an interesting set of circumstances. I was going to art school, but I didn't know how to get there. I had used public transportation. Thanks for filling in the details, because my mind races too fast sometimes, so slow that train down. Yeah, so to get to school, you had to use public transportation. Right, public transportation, and I didn't understand the language. I couldn't read the signs, and I was told prior to going that I didn't need to know the language because 
everything would be easy, but it was not. And so when I got there, it really felt like not just I was, you know, obviously in another country, but it felt like my whole world was just kind of like, what is happening? And, and I felt a bit lost in that process. But as soon as I landed in school, um, some of the professors were frustrated because they couldn't communicate with me or tell me when something was dangerous or, you know, because we were using big machines. And over a period of time, it became so easy, even though we couldn't communicate verbally, we were communicating. And it ended up working out better than I could have imagined. And everything was so much different than what I thought it was going into it. And I, I heard the Lord speaking to me, and he wanted you to know that there's a fresh wind of creativity that he's blowing through you. And there is something that's about to change, but you're walking into some unknown territory, and there's things in you that feel like I'm not sure this is it. I'm not sure that I understand what's happening here. And it's like when I came to that public transportation, I didn't know where to get off. I was just praying. I knew where to get off. And when I would get off, I'm, I'm landing in this major city and thinking I only went to the school one time. God, you got to show me how to get back there. And somehow I made it and it felt like I was getting closer to him because I really had to rely on him for everything. And that's what I see God doing right now. He's teaching you how to rely on him in a way that you haven't had to. And it's not because you did something wrong or, or any of that, but it's that he's training you for what's next. But there is so much more on the inside of you. And, and one of the things that took place while I was at that school is in the end, everybody there at the school was asking me, will you please stay? Because there's something about you and there's something about how you connect with God. And we want that to stay here. Not all of them were believers. And I really feel like there's some people that are going to be so drawn to you and and they're going to connect with you, and that creativity is going to open the atmosphere to reach them. So, so then, go ahead with the dream. Okay. So then, last night I have this well, dream. Well, first of all, before she has a dream, some people in here may feel like in life right now you feel a little lost. The basic message, I believe what God is saying in that is it's going to be okay and you're going to be okay. Just keep moving forward. Okay, so my dream last night, I'm a detail person, so I'm like sectioning my dream. So if it doesn't come across well, she's going to help me out. So in the dream, a back door was open, a lion came in, and... It was taken care of through a series of events, but the, the main message that I heard the Lord speaking for this time is that there's uh, something of a back door that's been open, and there has been a lie of the enemy, and love and a gift of God is being given to you to handle the situation and take care of it. So the way she got love, Travis, is she was closing the sliding door, and... Um, the guy who took care of the lion that was about to attack, his name was Nate, which means a gift of God. And so I feel like there's tough love that God's giving to you right now to deal with some things, and that grace is there. And so when she shared the dream, I said it kind of goes along a little bit, I think, with the dream that I had. You were walking along with a backpack, and it was squared on you. You know what I mean by squared on? It was uh, both shoulders were on. Um, and as you were walking, it got heavier and heavier. And I faced you and I said, it's time to cut that off. And as I said that, these very large shears, like scissors, um, just came down from heaven and cut the backpack off of you. And so what I felt like God was saying is you're coming to a time where there's going to be a cutting away of some things, a cutting off of something that you were carrying that became very heavy, um, and God is saying, now's the time to let it go. <clears throat> so it's kind of like the Frozen song, let it go, <laughs> let it go. <laughs> it can't hold you back anymore. And as soon as it was cut off of you, you took off running. And so there's a new fire in passion that's going to be released all at the same time. It's going to happen together. Is that okay. good? Yep. All right. So uh, anybody want to grab hold of any of that wisdom? You can grab hold of it. I mean, you know, sometimes you got to let go of what was, and you can't 
grab into what God has for you until you let go. And I know I'm right in the middle of that myself. We're in transition um, and we'll be moving um, sometime soon. And where we're going, I'm not sure yet. I did have a prophet tell me what was going to take place that I would know where I'm to land. And that has not yet happened. And so until then, I'll just wait until that takes place. Um, but how many of you love the Lord today with all your heart? I know you wouldn't be here if you didn't. And um, I, I'm going to share something with you this morning, and we'll do a little bit of ministry, and I look forward to the training part. Um, I've done a lot of training, and I know you've been around Morningstar and um, with Chris Reed and his level of gifting. Um, and his level of gifting is very unique. And how many of you would love to flow in that kind of word of knowledge? <clears throat> um, I was uh, recently going to um, a meeting. Uh, it was two hours away. And um, the house, the property that we have right now that I think has been sold, I think the closing is June, um, maybe the end of May. But anyways, the property was going to be shown that day, and I have cameras up. Anybody have cameras on your house? <laughs> Some do. Well, we put cameras up outside and inside because I wanted to see um, and it's interesting, I have a safe in my house. Well, my husband had it, um, and I think I've said to some of you, every Sunday that my husband preached, he would manage to talk about guns and politics. That was his thing, every Sunday. And you knew, I mean, it could be the best salvation message you've ever heard, and somehow he would get guns and politics into it. Uh, but anyways, he has this huge... <laughs> He has this huge safe, and I'll never take it out of the house. It's massive. And it's interesting because the cameras are there. How many people that have come through the house walk over to that safe? And some have even said, I want to know what's in here. <laughs> so anyways, this one day, the house is going to be shown. And I was at um, my grandson's basketball game. <clears throat> And I wanted to watch and see who's going into my house and, you know, as they walk through. Um, so anyways, the cameras didn't work. And I was so frustrated. Like, oh, of all the times I need them to work, they weren't working. And from there, I, I had to... Um, go back home and change real quick and then get on the road and drive two hours to go to a meeting. And um, at the same time that that's happening, um, our Facebook page got hacked into. And we had, at the time, um, just under 68,000 followers, which isn't a huge um, in some people's world isn't huge, but in our world it was huge. And we had gotten notices from Facebook, I think in August our reach was 2 million. And so through just what we've done, it expanded in, um, in many nations. And um, I'm surprised as we minister in different locations how many people in other nations are catching us, which has been just a delight to realize that the gospel today travels through technology, like amazing. And so anyways, that got hacked. Somebody hacked our page. And we had um, a couple of tech guys look at it. Anyways, what came back to us, what they said is, who has it out for you? And I thought, who has it out for me? Are you kidding me? Like... <laughs> I just want to love. I just want to love people. And so as it's been looked at, it wasn't done in the normal hacking way where they completely take the page and they get into your accounts and they begin to change and they get into your bank account. And they didn't do any of that. They did just enough where they knocked Charity off as the administrator, knocked me off, and they have control of the page and they started posting some weird things. <clears throat> so we lost control of that page. 
So I'm at this point of saying, why would somebody want to do that? You know, why? So I'm frustrated. The cameras aren't working. Our page has been totally hacked. And then we get home to change to go do this meeting. And I don't know, maybe some of you ladies would understand, nothing was working. And I'm trying putting on clothes and throwing them off. That doesn't work and that doesn't work. How do you know when you're frustrated sometimes, nothing works? And so that's not working. And we finally found something that we could wear that was appropriate for where we were going to minister, and we got on the road, and we stopped at a Dunkin' Donuts to get coffee, and so um, they hand me the coffee, we go through the drive-thru, they hand me the coffee, and they didn't put the lid on, and so as I'm grabbing the coffee to hand it to Charity, it went all over the car and all over her and she had on a very nice blazer a light colored blazer and she was covered and the girl in the window is like (gasps) and charity jumps out of the car and she's just brushing off the coffee and i felt at that point i think this is really a sign i'm not supposed to go how many of you ever have those kind of days where it's like just give it up, you know, I don't need to go and do this meeting. And so we um, got ourselves cleaned up, and the girl at the Dunkin' is handing us piles of napkins, and we're soaking up coffee everywhere. It's all across the dashboard and the cup holders. It was a mess. And so we got it cleaned up and decided, no, we're going to go. We're going to continue going forward. And we're on the New York State Thruway, And so the speed limit up there is like 65. Y'all are blessed. A lot of your expressways are 70, which is nice. We're still 65. But as we're driving along, we were doing some work in the car, and we're doing some recording um, because we have a a side, uh, another ministry, I guess, where we minister to people um, online. And so... I've just ministered to somebody, and I hand the recorder to Charity, and now a lot of these people, I mean, I have no idea who they are, were just ministering, but I will say, um, out of that ministry, I I remember when uh, we ministered to a vice president's daughter, not knowing who she was, right? And so I love... Um, and I'll talk a little bit about that today, but I love ministering to people I don't know um, because it becomes just the pure word of God. So anyways, I've just ministered, and I hand the recorder to Charity, and I'm driving along, and now I have to be quiet because she's ministering, and I look in my rearview mirror, and there are racers coming up behind me. I'll tell you, I wanted to scream, and they were two race cars, and they were so fast coming up on me, I didn't know what to do, and I felt myself tensing up and freezing. I knew I couldn't put on my brakes, I didn't know what to do, and the one zoomed past me, and the one that was directly coming behind me went just around me. You could feel him in my car, and he was so close. And then he lost control of his car, and he overcompensated and went off the side of the road in front of me. His car is tilted in the air. It came down, and you knew, okay, I think that might have scared him too, right? And so I realized at that moment, and Charity was finishing um, ministering, (laughs) that we couldn't talk about it, and I had to just keep my mouth shut. Um, I realized at that moment that the enemy will do everything he can to keep us away from the presence of the Lord. And when I got in that meeting, I actually got drunk in the spirit. And I thought if I would have given up when I couldn't find an outfit, or I was frustrated because of what happened at Facebook or because my cameras weren't working, I would have missed that moment 
in the presence of the Lord. And yes, it, can, it happens when I'm at home. I feel his presence. But there's something that happens, and I'm sure you felt it this morning during the worship, where there's a corporate anointing that's in the house, and you feel in this room with everybody what you're not going to feel at home. You follow what I'm saying? And so I just want to encourage you. Um, there is a wind blowing, and I started out Friday night um, sharing um, that I had a dream and where I was just looking at a map of the United States in the dream, and um, North and South Carolina lifted off the map toward me um, as though they're elevated off the map, and they were pure white. And the Lord began to speak to me, North and South Carolina are ripe for harvest. Jesus said, you know, you put the seed in and you say in four months there's a harvest. But I say to you, look out. The fields are white to harvest. And, and I believe there's something that's happening in, you know, North and South Carolina in this hour that you don't want to miss what God's doing. And so even if you're tired and nothing's going right, you press through that to join together during times of worship. They are significant. Um, I know that um, I've battled, I would say, in the last month, three different viruses. And um, in between, like the one, I had a stomach virus um, for about seven days. And when I got through with that, I went to minister um, at a location, they didn't care if I was sick or not. They said, no, we want you to come. <laughs> I mean, you know, in some places, uh, they don't want you to go near them if you've had anything, but <clears throat> they wanted me to come. And then I came back from that, and I had a respiratory virus that I battled, and then it changed and went into my head. And I was going up to Boston to minister at a conference and it's a wonderful group of people um, that they said um, I had to get permission to come first um, because of the virus that I had. And um, a doctor had said I wasn't contagious after 48 hours. Julie, you might know that. Is that really true about viruses? After 48 hours, you're really not contagious? Okay. She's a nurse, so she knows. <laughs> Anyways, um, so we went. And, you know, one of the things that I love about the Lord is um, he's given us all gifts. Every one of us have gifts. And I know that when I began to see Chris Reed minister, I thought, I quit. I mean, I just, I quit. Um, because my gift seems so shallow in comparison. And, um, and I've been doing this for a long, long time, and I've been blessed, I say, beyond belief. If God doesn't do another thing for me, he's been good to me. I think my favorite song, and every time I hear it, I just weep, I have lived in the goodness of God. And I have. I love it. I love when, I love Jen Johnson when she sings it. So I'll just find her. I know a lot of people sing it, but there's something about when she sings it that I come unglued. How I many you know having a grateful heart is important? But another thing I discovered is the Lord doesn't want us to compare ourselves, right, to where I just quit. And so I have to be thankful with the gift that God gave me. And if I exercise that gift, see, uh, the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 6, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use exercise. How many know we've got to exercise the gift that's in us? And so I was, when I went up to Boston, it's a whole new group of people. <clears throat> I didn't know them. Uh, I've ministered on a couple of conferences with them by Zoom, but it's totally different in person. And honestly, like I'm starting to recognize some of you 
Um, but it takes a while because you're around different people. And when I got there, I felt like I didn't know anybody. And so I ministered. But I'll tell you something that the Lord spoke to me. There was one man um, that sat kind of in the back. Um, and when I went to minister to him, I said to him something like, um, and maybe, Chair, you might even remember better than I, but through the loss and the trials that he's been in, God wanted him to know that he's with them or with him and that he was entering a new chapter of his life. He needed to turn the page and move on. Well, there were times during the ministry, I don't give names and addresses. Sometimes I have gotten names, and that's always fun. I love, like I just had that with a guy, not knowing that his dad wanted to name him Raphael at birth, and he was given a different name, but <clears throat> I, I gave him that name that Raphael the angel was with him. And I thought I never had that word before. You're probably all sitting like, what are you talking about? It's all right, maybe another time I'll explain. But anyways, I love those moments. I remember ministering to a pastor, um, and I said, there is a Timothy that you're, I see you handing a baton to. I'd never met this guy before in my life. All I knew is he was a pastor, and he was, the whole place just broke up because he was literally handing the church off to a man named Timothy. And so everybody like loved it. So I, I cherish those times, but a lot of times as I minister, words of knowledge flow through the prophetic as I minister. And that's what happened with this man up in Boston just a couple of weeks back. Um, I was told afterwards by the leadership, his father had just passed his brother had passed, and I, I don't know if it was a wife or someone else, but just in this year, he had lost three people. Uh, some of you, you haven't been touched as much by grief, but once you've been touched by grief, you can feel the pain that somebody would experience. And so they said to me, that was the most perfect word that he ever could have gotten. Why? Because God said, I'm with you, and it's time for a new chapter in your life. You've got to turn the page and move on. And so when I look at how God ministers, the one thing that I'm coming to is to thank God for the level that we're all at, but also thank him that he's taking us to new levels. Yes? <clears throat> all right, so... Um, I'm going to read this. Do you have your Bibles? I love that we have technology and all of that. One of the things I've been saying recently is the one thing, like I use my phone all the time to look at different translations and versions. Do you ever do that? Or I look up the Strong's numbers in the Greek or the Hebrew. I love studying. I love reading the word. I love this word. And I'll tell you this, that during the three different viruses that I've fought in these last, last month or so, um, I have had some of the best times in the presence of the Lord I can't tell you how precious. At one point, I'm watching all the revival services I could find that was happening. Remember when Asbury was happening, and then it's happening in Michigan and down in Florida and Texas. And I laid on the couch watching revival services. And then one of my favorites right now is The Chosen. And I've watched that probably, you don't want to know, Every night. <laughs> I love The Chosen. I just, I love it. And I'm learning so much and how relatable the disciples are with us. And some of the struggles that, you know, they bring out in The Chosen are struggles that I've had. And so it's really, but I, I know this, that, you know, through the trials that we walk through, we have a choice we can be bitter, or we really do get better. And it's in his presence. We're changed from glory to glory. 
And I just, I want to look more like Jesus. I want to sound like him. I want to minister the way that he ministered. Uh, and the only way, how many of you know the Bible says it's through many tribulations that we enter the kingdom? How many of you know we're going to have trouble in this life? And it's how we choose to walk through it. So if you have your Bibles, I, I like it when you have the physical Bible with you because you can mark in your Bible, you can write in your Bible. You can't really do that on your phone, although maybe there's a way that you can. But I'm learning more and more that when I have this word with me, I want to see it on the pages. So no condemnation on anybody. You got your phone, use your phone. But I do... I do think there's something about seeing it on the pages and being able to write notes on the pages. Are you mad at me? <laughs> I hope not. I don't want anybody mad at me, but I'm falling in love more and more with the word, and I just I can't get enough of it. And, and I do, I'm telling you, I use my phone all the time looking up the meanings of words and studying things out. But in 1 Peter is where I'm looking um, today. Actually, let's go over to Luke chapter 4. I'll often say, like, Luke 4, 18 and 19 are my life verse. And sometimes I say, this is my favorite book. Like, I love the book of Luke. But then I'll say, Mark, I love Mark. And Charity will say, Mom, you just love them all. And it's true. Deuteronomy, I love the book of Deuteronomy. Um, but I love it all. So we're going to switch gears here. Luke chapter 4. Um, then Jesus, verse 1, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And then the devil said to him, um, how many of you have read this portion of scripture? Probably a hundred times, right? But I think that it's important for us to honor his word and to be a people that really gets into his word and studies his word. Let his word be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And so I'm praying that even as we're in the word today, that there would be a new love in all of our hearts for his word. And I can tell you the only way that you make it through the days that we're living is in his word and in his presence. And so the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him saying, it is written. See, Jesus himself went back to the word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. And then he brought him to Jerusalem, sat him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. This will probably be the shortest message you'll ever hear. 
but I believe this, that through the temptations and the trials that we walk through, if we pass the test, we come out in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm looking forward to the day where our shadow brings healing to people that we walk by. But if we don't understand the same enemy that came to Jesus comes to us to try and distract us and get us off track, and we have to be faithful to who God has called us to be. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. How many of you know it's important how we live our life, not just here on Sunday morning. We can look really good, but it's also out there and it's in our home. Remember Proverbs 6, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. I believe that God is getting down to the nitty-gritty with his people. And, I, you know, I, I say this, I, I was in a place where I was told that if you don't stay within the timeline that's been given to you, you won't be invited back to speak. I believe we are moving past those times where we put the perimeters on God and we let God do what he wants to do, and we are doing the same thing over and over, expecting that a move of the Spirit is just going to come in. And I I can tell you that it's going to take everything you've got for the moving of the Spirit to flow. It is work. How many of you know that work, work, work is the key? It's doing the work of the kingdom. Even Ephesians 4, he's given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, what? To do the work of the ministry. There is work involved. And if you don't like work, you may as well just give up on life because it is work in serving the kingdom. I can tell you when Charity and I went out to the clubs at 11 o'clock at night on East Avenue in Rochester, which is a city, thousands of young people out on the street. We would go at 11 o'clock and we'd stay until the, everything closed. The clubs and bars closed down at four. We didn't go to drink. I didn't do that. We went to prophesy to the guys that were out there that were lost. And as we did, I'll tell you, we would come home, be home by five o'clock, and we'd have to get back up to go and do a service somewhere. And we were tired. But I know this, that God was with us everywhere we went, and I had life flowing out of me. Remember in John 7, Jesus said, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. And so when you are doing the work of the kingdom, there is joy and there is freedom in what we do. But we have to make sure that we are doing everything that God expects of us. That means we have to be careful how we treat one another. And, and even when we walk out of here, that we're not talking bad about somebody in here. You say, oh, do you have to talk about that? Because that's just what I do. That's my personality. No, your personality needs to be nailed to the cross. We need to, well, what is prophecy for? The Apostle Paul told us, I know you've all been taking a class. In 1 Corinthians 14, what is it for? Edification, exhortation, and comfort. And so what is our responsibility? He said in 1 Corinthians 14, 31, you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. I might be preaching to the choir, but I'm feeling a stirring within me because there's a moving of the spirit that's coming. North and South Carolina, you've got an opportunity right ahead of you and the way we behave with one another, it's like he will come like the rain and what happened? I felt like this love and I thought, I just want to go and hug everybody. There was something in me and I so appreciated you dancing and singing. I thought if I could move like that. I just don't have it in me. I mean, I sway. I move back and forth. Like, you know, I just, I don't have it, but I sure enjoy. And it reminded me of when we were in the clubs. And then she talked about, we got to do better than the clubs. But I remember going out to the clubs and there would be, there were dance clubs. There's all different, there's cocaine clubs. I mean, there's all different clubs, you know, and we were in a number of them. And I wouldn't recommend that um, 
for just anybody. Honestly, you need to know. <laughs> you can't be tempted by some of the stuff that's out there. Um, and I've taken teams out, and I learned quickly. You have to have people that are grounded in the faith and know we're there on purpose to do the will of God. But anyways, they would, they'd be a dance club, and you walk in, and it's like most of the people are dancing, but then there's some on the outskirts that are just enjoying watching the dancing. <laughs> and I thought, that's me. <laughs> I mean, I can move, but I don't have... You know, the, like, you got movement, girl. You really do. And it, what does it, when you did that, you're breaking something in the atmosphere. There's something that's transitioning, almost as though the Lord is saying, I need you to begin to just move your body. And as you move your body, something happens, and you feel an excitement in the room. And then everybody wants to join in with you. We may not be able to do it like you, but we want to join in with you. I know that God is coming for the integrity of our heart. He's coming. How many know you got to have character? You can't be somebody in here and somebody out there. Who you are in here needs to be who you are behind closed doors. And I, I'm beginning um, to think that when the fear of God comes, and I know the brother talked about the fear of God in the room, I don't know about you, but sometimes we handle God so lightly. And there's times where I know as we move closer and closer to what God intends to do in this day, that all you're going to do is worship. And there's times where there's going to be just solid preaching. So I don't want to have preaching. I just I want to. Well, there will be times where people are on their faces. And every time God comes, it's different. You may find, and I heard a sister say this, that wasn't her, um, but you may find somebody sits in your seat on Sunday. Like, oh, that's my seat. My husband was on staff at a Bible college um, for about 11 years. It was 11 years. And there was a point where they wanted the pastor's wives to be up front and I always sat in the back row that was what I did I liked being hidden and now I love ministering like I could spend the rest of my days ministering I love it even as I look around the room and I begin to see things in people I love that God will speak so anyways this one Sunday I said all right I'll be the obedient pastor's wife because in that day, um, it was just basically a man's world. This will go over some of your heads. And so I was just being the obedient pastor's wife, and I came up with my four kids, and I sat down. I think I was in the second row. And all of a sudden, a lady came up, and she, like, I'm sitting here, and she says, you're in my seat. That's my seat. I sit here every Sunday. You know that that's my, well, there was no way I would know because it's a big building. I wouldn't know who sits up there. I'm always in the back. I was so embarrassed. I couldn't look up. I had tears coming out my eyes, and I thought, whoa. I mean, you know, when God comes and this place gets packed out, you may have to get here early to get a seat. And you may actually have to get up and give your seat away. I've, I've told the story when uh, there was a move of God up in Toronto in 94, 95. We were three hours away um, from Toronto. And so we could go up and back, up and back many, many times. And we did. I would keep a journal and we went 50 times and then I stopped writing about it. <laughs> But I loved the presence of the Lord. And we would go, and you would stand in line, and almost every time we would end up in the very back row, because if you wanted to sit up front, you had to stand in line all day. And I thought, there's just no way. And if we brought our kids, there was no way 
we were going to do that. Well, what we would sometimes do is we would save up enough money and we would get a hotel so that we could spend the night and go to two or three services. And we would bring our kids, and one of the days, we would just let them swim. They had a pool there. And then we would just go to the evening meeting, and we were always in the way back. And they would typically, at that point, they would have a couple thousand people. I don't know. How many does the airport church hold? At least two, three? Maybe? It might be. It was packed out. And you would talk to people... From you'd come across people that came from all over the world. And what they would do, some of them, is they would sell every piece of furniture they had and vehicles so that they could come spend a week in the presence of the Lord. I was like, well, I heard story after story of people of what they did to sacrifice to be in his presence. And we were always at the very back. And this one time we went up, I said to my husband, okay, I'm going to bring a cooler with lunch for the kids, and we're going to stand in line all day because I want to get up at least you could get to the third row because the ministry teams always had the first couple. So I thought we could at least get to the third row and sit up front and watch, because that's where all the fun stuff happened. You would see, you know, they'd call somebody up to give a testimony, and then they'd end up crawling on the floor. And in the back, you can hardly see. You know, you just know this is so fun. God's, <laughs> it's fun when God comes and people get drunk in the Spirit. I love it. I just do. <clears throat> and there would be, you know, these rumors, oh, they're barking up there like dogs. Do you know how many times I went? I never heard that. Like I was thinking, I don't know what these people are hearing, but the presence of the Lord was so rich and nobody would want to leave. I can remember times that I would literally crawl out in the parking lot to get in the car to leave. I couldn't even walk because the, the glory of God was so heavy on me, and I, I love that, and I know that we're changed from glory to glory, and so you're here today. God's doing something in you today. You may not even know what he's doing, but we're being changed in his glory, and so here we are in line, and there's just a handful of people in front of us, and we're so excited we're going to get to be in the third row, and they would open the doors like at 630. How many know when they open those doors, it's a free-for-all? You forget that you're a Christian, and you push everybody away because you want to be in that chair. <laughs> That's true. I remember going to see Catherine Kuhlman, and the same exact thing. We were set, stood in line all day long, and when those doors opened, I remember my dad afraid that we were going to get trampled. <laughs> As they, they literally, people push you. <clears throat> So anyways, we're getting closer when the doors are going to open, and I see this woman from another nation just waving her hand, like, right here, right here. I'm thinking, what are you doing? You're not going to bring people up here with you. I've stood in line all day. No way. And I turn, and there's these buses that are coming in with these people from another nation, and I got ticked off. I thought, there is no way. Well, those people came in, and we're getting pushed back further and further. And then I see another hand go up. I was like, I wanted to say something, but I didn't say anything because I just I don't say much. But I wanted to. Have you ever been so angry that you almost could swear? Like... <laughs> But I'm in church. You can't do it when you're in church. And then I look, and it's all these young people coming in. And, like, they're so excited. They get to just hop up, and, well, we end up at the back. And the doors open, and we ended up in the back row. And I was so angry. And Jeremy at the time, I don't remember his last name, was doing worship. Sign out, or maybe, I don't know. Anyways, Jeremy was the worship leader, and he's doing worship. 
And have you ever been so angry? You're on your way to church and you get in a fight with one of your kids or your spouse, right? And then worship, and you're like, I'm supposed to worship? Then you feel like a big hypocrite. Well, I'm going through all these mental gymnastics of, I am not going to worship. God, you saw what we did. We stood in line all day with four kids, and you knew that we wanted to be up front, and we never get to be up front. This just isn't fair. (coughs) So they do a worship song, and I can't even sing because I'm so mad. And then Jeremy stops the worship. And he says, well, we just had a cancellation of a ministry team, and so we're going to open up the front rows. And I was like, oh, maybe. But what I see happening in front of me is people standing on their seat and jumping over to get in the next row up. Then I got even more mad. I was like, that is just not right. Well, Jeremy says, wait, 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 everybody, everybody stop. I want you to go back to your seat. Okay, everybody moves back to their seat. And I'm thinking, good. At least somebody deals with that thing. (laughs) And he says, I want the very back row. I want you to come up and sit up here up front. Well, that's nice if you've got a good attitude and you're happy and you love worship. But when you got a bad attitude and you're ready to spit bullets... I felt like I was walking that plank of shame. Now, my husband knows I'm really, really angry. And so he said, go, cat. And so I have to lead the way. The kids are behind me, and he's behind the kids. He knows I've got a rotten attitude. He was much better about it, but I wasn't. So I get up, and there's one man sitting in the front row, And he has on a flannel shirt and jeans. I thought, well, that's weird. I mean, back then we used to try to dress up a little bit when you went to church. Now, I mean, y'all are a beach church. Um, And so, you you know, if I came in with a sequin dress, are you going to judge me? Right? No. We just come as we are, right? And it's all okay. Well, I sit down next to this man, and then Jeremy has us stand up, and we're going to worship. And all I did during the rest of the worship is just cry and repent for my attitude. And I heard the Lord speaking to me, these people sacrificed everything to be here. You get to come and go. And you're angry at them for wanting to be up front. And then young people, I mean, who doesn't want young people touched by the presence of God today? We need this generation touched. We've got a generation that's lost and confused. We need a move of the Spirit across North and South Carolina. I'm telling you, he's coming. So anyways, I'm repenting, and then John Arnott gets up, and I love John and Carol Arnott, and um, they're so laid back. And just, I don't know, they're like everyday people. And uh, he said, I'd like you just to turn to your neighbor and prophesy to them. I'm like, oh, God's just pulling everything out of the bag today. And I thought, oh, God. And you know, I love to prophesy, but I don't want, I don't feel it. Sometimes you're not going to feel it. We prophesy by faith. And so I turned to this guy with the flannel shirt and the jeans, and I, I mean, my eyes are a mess. I've been just sobbing. And he, he said, I'll, I'll minister first. I said, okay. And, and he began to prophesy my calling that I'd heard over and over. And he said, you carry a strong prophetic mantle, and God is going to take you into nations. And I see you in the midst of government, even meetings, and you're ministering to the government. And I, I'll tell you, you know what it did to me? It made me cry even more because I thought I don't deserve to have God remind me of what he's spoken into my life. How do you know it's a goodness of God that brings us to repentance? And so he ministers, and then I prophesied to him, and I don't know what I said to him, Today, I would love to know what I said. 
but I don't know what it was. But then we sit back down and they go through all the formalities. And then John said, I'd like you to just put your hands together and give a warm welcome for our speaker tonight, Bishop Joseph Garlington. The man sitting next to me stood up. I was like... I had no idea who Bishop Joseph Garlington was. <clears throat> I didn't know that's who I was with. But I learned something that I believe I've been able to carry the rest of my life. And when things don't work out the way you want them to work out, you stay in peace. Don't let the enemy steal your peace. But I am telling you this, when this place gets packed out, you may have to give your seat up for someone else. And you can say, oh, I'll do that gladly. But I'll tell you, when you're faced with it, you might not be so happy to do it. God is coming. He's coming into North and South Carolina. I don't know why he highlighted those two states for me, but something's about to transition in these states. And the fields are white to harvest. I even believe there's going to be people that God geographically moves into these regions because of what's about to take place. And so you have to open up your arms, open up your hearts, and let God do what he wants to do. But it's going to require all hands on deck. I can't do it without you, and you can't do it without me. How many of you know we need each other? And if there's one thing that I know, that I know, that I know that God has impressed on my heart is we've got to grow deeper in love with each other. We've got to care about each other, not speaking bad about each other, not criticizing each other, but loving each other the way Jesus loves us. And I'm so glad he loves me. And he loves you.